Hello and welcome to another episode of Tour Guide Talks, the travel show about the people we trust to teach us about local history, local gastronomy, local haunts, and who give us directions to great finds and secret experiences. In this show, we're going to talk about our tour guide's travel philosophy and why they chose a career in this intriguing profession. With this show, there is no need to write anything down. We will leave links in the show notes so you can reference the places that are discussed. Enjoy the show, and thank you for coming along for this tour guide talk. As a side show note, Tour Guide Talks was born during the COVID-19 pandemic. In order to be a responsible talk show, recording has been done over phone lines, Wi-Fi connections, or over video conferencing. As a result, recording levels are not always perfect and sometimes there will be inconsistencies. Hello travelers, this is your host Alvaro Garza with Tour Guide Talks. How about this? When you travel to a town, do you just look for tours that are kind of general, about general history, about general things going on, about general restaurants? Or do you go find the more interesting places? Do you go find the places that talk about alternative lifestyles, street art? Well, if you do, we have the guy for you. Today, our guest is Javier Garcia. We're going to talk about his company, Cool Tours Spain. He's going to give us some insight into the alternative tours that they offer. We're going to talk about street art, feminism, architecture, and the not-so-popular tours that you would expect to find in a city. Welcome to the show, Javier. Thank you very much for the opportunity to explain about my project to your community. Yes, absolutely. So your full name is Javier Garcia, and you have started a very interesting tour company called Cool, cool Tours Spain. And as I, was, as I was doing the research and figuring out who I was going to bring on the show next, uh, I was interested in yours specifically because you're the first interview that we do that deals with the more alternative type of tours, the less general type of tour. Uh, you are, your, your company is based out of Madrid, right? Yes, it's based in Madrid, although uh, last year we started offering and distributing our products through agencies in Malaga and Barcelona. Although I expect to open soon uh, services in Zaragoza and Valencia too. Mm, okay, well that's exciting. Wow. Well, congratulations on, the, on your success. Uh, okay, cool. Before we get into your business, I want to learn a little bit more about Javier. Now, I have to admit this to everybody, that when I saw Javier... Well, I saw his company, I saw his website, there was a little part that stuck out and I, it was really surprising to me and uh, it says that you have spent some time in Odessa, Texas and me being a That's Texan, correct. me being a Texan, when I saw that TX, I was like, uh, this is a little bit surprising, but fun. So I want to get into how you ended up in all places, Odessa, Texas. <laughs> okay. This is one of the questions that my guests also asked me, no? Why Odessa? Well, um, the thing is, my background comes from teaching. I graduated from Complutense University in English teaching as a second language for primary school students. And um, I applied for, uh, let's say, a program right, that brings uh, Spaniards, teachers in general, to the United States in order to work. At the beginning, I applied to go to France, because to Canada, sorry because I was learning French and I was interested. But suddenly I received a, a phone call from one of these program directors uh, stating that if I would apply to go to Texas, I would have more chances of being picked up. 
Consequently, I did it. And uh, that's how I ended up in Odessa, uh, teaching at a primary, at an elementary school in West Texas, a place which is completely odd from what you would expect from a, a Spanish perspective. <laughs> so what do I mean? Uh, the, the, the thing is that uh, uh, it's completely different from what you can see in a Spanish town. Uh, probably the most similar thing would be uh, Monegros in Zaragoza or maybe uh, the other desert in Almeria. Yeah. I can remember right now the, the name. And uh, the town itself, it was the second time that I traveled to the United States, but not that far in. You know, West Texas is really deep. And uh, this was, at last, it was a very cool place where to live because of the friends that I made, uh, all my co-workers, uh, we were a family. And uh, also the Spanish community, we integrated very well, we connected very well with each other, and uh, we made many different plans uh, during the weekends, during the bank holidays, and we traveled all around the country and farther beyond. Yeah, when we had the conversation initially, we talked about this because uh, the program that you went to Texas with was the same program that my wife went to Texas, and uh, that's how we met. She was teaching in Dallas, and uh, we ended up meeting at a, at a dinner party, and it was really funny when we had that conversation about how Odessa, Texas connected to you and then how I connected to the program via Dallas. And here I am now living in Barcelona. What did the people think of you and your accent? Because most people would have thought that we have most people like me that are Tejanos or Tex-Mex. And, <clears throat> and they hear your accent or they hear you speaking Spanish. How did they respond to you? Well, uh, to answer your question, I have two answers. Right. Uh, the first one, it was a moment that happened to me. I was at the supermarket, you know, at the cashier and uh, I was checking in all the products and the lady heard me speaking with a friend. But you're not. What, what Spanish do you speak? <laughs> yeah. Because you are not from Mexico. Right. No, no, ma'am. I'm, I'm from Spain. <laughs> wow. I love your accent, how cool. And obviously the conversation led into what are you doing here? Oh, thank you very much for what you're doing for our community, for the kids, all of this stuff, no? This was the first story that I, I wanted to share with your community. Uh, the second one uh, was kind of uh, shocking. Shocking into, wow, you know, this question from uh, maybe a 40 years old person, I didn't expect that, to be honest. I was eating at a restaurant with two friends. Uh, both of them, I, I met them playing soccer, football for us. And um, they are from Mexico and I'm from Spain, right? So we were talking to each other and suddenly there was a person sitting next to us who interrupted our conversation and uh, he started asking, asking questions because he knew that I wasn't from Mexico, but he was uh, interested in, in knowing where did I come from. Uh, oh, wow, you're from Spain. And in Spain, you speak Spanish? <laughs> this was the question that he asked me. And this was like, wow. Uh, next question he asked is, how long does it take to go to Spain by car? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was loud. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, people reacted in, in different ways, but uh, in, a, in a surprising uh, way, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Texas, I explain this to many people. Texas is 
10% bigger than Spain. So to put that into perspective, if you add Portugal into Spain, you have just the state of Texas. I mean, it's huge. So um, I love my Texas brethren. Uh, but yeah, we do have a variety of, how can I say, perspectives in, in Texas. And, and some are surprising, like you say. Can you tell us a little bit about where you've traveled around the world? All right. Well, uh, well the, the reason why I started this project, Culture Spain, is because I love traveling. I lost count on how many countries I have visited, but I think at the moment it's at 32 plus. Wow. I don't know if it's something uh, higher. Uh, last year, for example, I traveled to Indonesia, uh, which was so beautiful to see, but not to see in a general landscape, I mean under the water. Uh, oh, I wow. do scuba dive and I went to the Komodo Island uh, kind of national park. Uh, we spent four days in a boat uh, scuba diving twice a day, mm. even at night. And that was probably one of the best experiences that I have ever had. How surreal was that to, to scuba dive in the middle of the night? Uh, it was different. It was different because you observe different nature mm. in terms of uh, animals. The animals that... Uh, let's say, uh, go around during the daytime are different than those at night. Right. They are even stranger or with odd uh, lookability. Wow. No? Wow. And another, another really cool area that I have traveled a lot, and this was thanks to my kind of placement in, in Texas, through the Caribbean islands, uh, Cuba, Puerto Rico, uh, Mexico, uh, Belize. That's an impressive list, 32 plus. So we know you're a teacher. When did you make the transition away from being a teacher to being a tour guide? What was the process in that? How did you uh, go from one profession to another? All right. So uh, this is the thing. I spent three years in Odessa, Texas, and then I kind of uh, leveled up my social opportunities. What do I mean? Uh, that I moved to Denver, Colorado. Obviously, you go from West Texas to a very multicultural city, a lot of things to do, you know. Still, by the end of my placement in Odessa, I be, kind of I came up with the idea of offering the opportunity for Mexicans and Americans to travel to Spain. Because uh, one of the things, and you have a, a poster board right behind you, most of them are interested in football. They love Messi. Yeah. So where do they want to go? Wait, you, you love Messi? Uh, I prefer Cristiano, <laughs> but uh, okay, I mean, that's another conversation. <laughs> now you, you can tell that uh, I support Real Madrid, but um, they were interested in, in visiting Spain, and there were not that many companies in Odessa, Texas, uh, which offered this opportunity. And I started digging into the internet, you know, how to create your own website. I came with the first idea, which was Hola Spain Tour. That was the beginning of my project. And this was how I, I started moving from teaching into, into tourism, right? Uh, later, there is, a, uh, there is a moment which was kind of a, a step, you know? Uh, after being in, in, in Denver for a month or so, I, I once received a, a phone call from my best friend uh, saying that my dad was in hospital, you know? Mm. Uh, like mm -hmm. really sick. Uh, they wanted to let me know about the situation. Um, he, swallowed a, he swallowed a toothpick, you know, and all his stomach blew, you know. 
Oh my and, gosh. Uh, um, so I, I went back to Spain. I left everything one day to another. This happened on a Wednesday, I believe. And on that same Sunday, I was in Spain. I left the United States for good, I thought. Uh, so by the first moment, I mean, the first month I was... Uh, going into the hospital twice a day, you know, and I, th I said, well, uh, if I'm going to be in this, situations, uh, in this situation, I will probably not be able to look for a job, you know, uh, a full-time job. So I decided to get more into the tourism field. How? Creating my own website. Uh, I talked to several friends who were into tourism and also who were into the street art. So um, this was how, how kind of it all started, no? Uh, as a hobby. So so Hola Spain started out as as a your typical tour company that offered general tours, or did it? Yeah. Did you already uh, start going flamenco, into art? Uh, gastronomy. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it included everything. Let's say flights, accommodation, insurance, guides, what, meal once a day. You know, all of this, uh, yeah. I think it was three, $3,500, 15 days approximately. When did you make the transition away from Hola Spain Tour to Cool Tour Spain? What was the reasoning behind it? Well, uh, the moment was by the time I started creating this, uh, what I call free street art and history tour. At the beginning, they were okay. I mean, maybe less than 10 people. But suddenly things grow bigger, you know, uh, groups of 20, groups of 30, uh, obviously tipping me or maybe not. That wasn't the point, no? Uh, it was a free tour, so I wanted to, to see how it went. Um, as I mentioned, it was street art history tour. What I did, and I think this was a, 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 very, um, a very good moment for me to understand what people thought about my project, was to launch a survey, okay? And I asked them questions. Um, what do you think about my English level? Because he was offering English language. Uh, what do you think about the knowledge uh, from the guide? Uh, what do you think about the spots we visited? What do you think about uh, the street art? What do you prefer, the street art part or the history part? Um, how much would you be willing to pay for these services if offered uh, on a pay-based uh, way? No. So all these answers that people uh, replied gave me uh, an understanding of how could I move from doing a free tour into setting up a company. So I think it was, uh, I think it was by the first time um, that I received, um, let's say, a request from a company, you know, to do this, that I ended up becoming an entrepreneur or how you say, autonomous in Spain, right? Uh, this was a company, it was a, a big deal, you know? Um, I think it was Hyundai, the, the car company, uh, which was bringing approximately 20-something influencers to make a, a video kind of recording and obviously to show a product, you know, uh, th that they hired me. So from that moment, I started kind of becoming a, professional in the tourism field. Congratulations. That's an interesting process because you start the idea, then you move to survey, then you understand your demographic, then you uh, figure out how much it's going to, how much are they willing to pay? 
and then you implement. And finding an account like Hyundai is pretty awesome. So congratulations on that. Doing street art and doing alternative tours, it's not as easy because I used to do alternative tours here in Barcelona. And it took me a while to get a hang of it because the information is not readily available. With alternative tours, we can pick different ideas to choose from, whether it's historical social conflict, we can pick uh, some interesting artist movement. Of course, being in Barcelona, we have Picasso, we have Dali, we have modernism that's easy to pull from. But a lot of street tours, the history isn't written just yet. You know who the artist is. So what process do you go through to learn about the artist and what they're trying to say with their art? Well, I would say the, the most important part is to be part of the community. If you are part of the street art community in town, uh, gates open. Let's say you have friends inside, you know. Uh, the first moment that I got into graffiti was when I was at, at high school. You know, we have always tagged in our notebooks, in our journals. That's a, the beginning of my interest into graffiti. Then I observed that there was a, a professional interest and a highly demand from the audience to participate in this kind of services. For example, uh, you might visit London, you might visit Paris, New York, and it was 10 years ago when they started developing these kind of activities. But what about Madrid? It didn't have one. So I became the first street art tour operator in Madrid, which offered daily street art tours for mostly an international audience. So being part of that uh, community helps a lot. Later, obviously, the way to learn about uh, new artists or new shows, new events, new walls painted, all that stuff that it's on the street, best thing to check is Instagram. So I read daily Instagram. I mean, I check on profiles, I try to connect with somebody that it's not known for me yet. I try to uh, get in touch with festivals, you know, to uh, write about press releases, information that the community uh, is willing to read because this is a common interest. I made from a hobby, as I was mentioning before, something that I can make a way of a living. You know, and this has to be uh, in a professional way offered to the to the audience. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting point uh, because you brought up Instagram. A lot of people don't realize some of these street artists are internationally known. They have huge followings on Instagram. They have huge followings on social media. And if they're not doing street art and if they want to find a side project to work on, a lot of them are famous graphic artists. They get hired out by other companies and you're looking at the work without even realizing it. Yes, it's a little bit more corporate, but still some of it and some of the design comes from these street artists. Street art in all cities, there's a love-hate relationship with it, right? Because some people like it, some people don't like it. Some people look at it as trashy. Some people look at it as something that's an eyesore on a city. So can you tell me a little bit about your perspective on the difference between graffiti and art and how the two mix and whether they can survive both within cities like Barcelona, Madrid? Well, um, I would say the difference lies on the feeling. Um, what do I mean is when you are painting a tag, a throw up, uh, graffiti letters in the street, when you are looking for the heartbeat, 
you know. Uh, I have done it in the past. I have painted in the city centers of several cities. And wow, it's risky, you know. It's risky because uh, police can get you, they can arrest you, you will be paying a fine, you know. And that's what we are looking for, to connect with other graffiti writers who are always looking wherever they go for new spots, uh, places where they can paint. Oh, you see this name? Oh, he has painted in the top of a building. Wow, that's incredible. Or oh, they have spent their time hiding in a small uh, place next to the train lines, you know, up until the moment that the train arrives and then they get inside and start painting, you know. That's on one side graffiti. That's kind of more of a, you know, illegally way, right. I would say, a version of art, of a street art. Now, in the other part, the feeling that we could see from street art is more aesthetic. Let's say that you're looking into developing something which people will observe as art. The other one, graffiti, it's for only a community that understands it. Not everybody understands what a graffiti is. For example, people think that the general audience thinks that graffiti is vandalism and that it destroys the cities. Uh, it damages the, the way the streets look. However, uh, I see beauty in it. I don't say that it's not illegal because it's still illegal and you can be penalized. Yeah, I, that, that, that's a part that I'm trying to grasp right now. I will say this. Tagging, I think, is the worst. I, think, I, don't, think, I don't like tagging from my perspective as an alternative tour guide. Uh, tagging for me doesn't make sense. Now you did bring up, and I appreciate your perspective on that. It only means something to the local community, but a lot of times tagging, I, I, I'm I'm just not as a big a fan of it as let's say graffiti art or art art that is more provocative or has something to say. Here in Barcelona, Barcelona, it's illegal to spray paint or draw or stick uh, paper or whatever you've worked on on city property proper. So if the garage, for example, belongs to private industry, a company, if they find a piece of metal that belongs to another industry that does not belong to the city of Barcelona, uh, it never gets covered up. So I, what are the rules in Madrid? Can you graffiti or do art on Madrid's proper walls? Will that get taken down? Where are the optimal places that the street art is placed? All right, so uh, let's say whether it's graffiti or street art, okay? Uh, if you are doing it in the streets, whether it's a public property or a private building, store, garage door, whatever, if you don't get the permission from them specifically, that's illegal. Now, uh, some places, they even offer the opportunity to artists to paint their metal shutters because they see a promotional way, a marketing opportunity to attract customers. This is legal. They are offering them the permission to paint in their metal shutter. When it comes to walls, big walls, and specifically in the city center, uh, then it's needed a permission. A permission from the city council who will offer you the opportunity to paint in certain spots, right? Uh, the, the other interesting thing would be to observe at uh, billboards. Okay, display billboards uh, with a street art is difficult in the process. Why do I mean? Because as any other advertiser, 
you need to ask for the permission to the local official bodies, you know, who deal with, oh, this uh, kind of advertising includes drugs, or this other includes uh, sex. Obviously, these things are not permitted, and you need to get permission. You need to pay your fees, and then uh, they will give you the, the approval, no? So, it could depend, if legal or if illegal. What are the rules in Madrid when it comes to street art? I know that here in Barcelona, once someone puts up a work of art, for the most part, it's say uh, someone hired someone or commissioned someone to put a work of art on a garage door that opens to a business. Uh, in most cases, that's respected, right? And you don't touch that. Here in Barcelona, the rule is you don't touch another person's work of art unless you believe that you can do better. So it creates a little bit of rivalry and tension between well, I feel like I can do a better job than you can, so I'm going to paint over your work of art. What are the rules in Madrid? How do artists deal with that shared space? I think this, um, this way of thinking, thinking that you shared with us does not only apply to Madrid or Barcelona, but it could apply worldwide. Um, I do also share with you that if what you are painting is better than what I do, go for it, you know? Still... What happens is that uh, there are hidden codes, ethical codes, that uh, graffiti writers should follow. Although it's not 100% followed all the times. What do I mean? That if you found a spot three years ago that nobody touched before, you painted it, hey, respect me because I found it first, you know? And if you don't, probably I'm going to come with a spray can and write down in Spain with write toy. Toyaco, you know. Yeah. Uh, explain that. Explain what that means. Explain what that uh, means. Toy. Uh, becoming becoming a toy means that you are not respecting other artists' works. Why? Because you are painting over what somebody did first. What's true is that, for example, if you are painting in a in a highway, and that specific year, the uh, the not the construction workers, but the um, people who keep the maintenance of the place in a good shape, they repaint the walls of these highways. I can come and paint a new stuff, you know, right, and that would right, not right. be considered as a toy. But uh, right. it happens. It happens. How has Banksy influenced street art? What has he done for street art? Has he enhanced it, made it better, or do you think made it worse? What has that, what has changed in the last 20, I guess, what, 15 years now? Well, I, I would say that Banksy has not harmed at all the street art. I would say that uh, people now, thanks to him and to many other uh, street art artists, are way more interested into this sort of art than before. And we have to imagine that art is culture. Culture is knowledge, knowledge is power. So uh, the more culture you get, you know, is the more stuff you will be able to learn, maybe. And even what I like about Banksy is the way uh, he communicates with the general audience. Because what uh, this kind of artist and the rest of them, what they want to do is they want to spread a message, usually with a social component, right? Uh, to discuss, because maybe you are in favor or you don't like it. 
but still you are in the game. You know, you are yeah. trying to understand and you are criticizing, you are analyzing. You, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you may agree or you may not agree. But that's the point about art and street art, more specifically, uh, deals about all of this. No, so I would. Yeah, it, think it, if it gets someone to to think about it, if it gets someone to think, oh. That's a social message. That's a sexual message. That's a drug message. Uh, if, as long as it's thought-provoking, I mean, I think that's the whole point, right? To get you to think about something and look at the world differently. So street art can be provocative. Street art can help you to think. Some street art that we see, uh, there's a lot of conflict going on. And I want to start talking about the conflict that some of these artists talk about, because I'm sure you talk about this during some of your tours. Uh, right now, it's very popular to talk about Franco. Right now, it's very popular to talk about the Catalan and Spanish argument on whether Catalonia should separate from the rest of Spain. Can you talk a bit about that and, and what you point out in your tours? Yes, of course, because um, street art is a social medium to express, in some cases, about injustice. Uh, I try in Culture Spain, I try to write uh, both in the Spanish website and in the English website, uh, at least. Uh, once every two days, you know, and um, I was sharing information about how C. Carrion, a local emerging artist, uh, drew the beheaded head of Franco inside La Tabacalera. Well, um, my kind of way of understanding life uh, supports uh, social democracy, let's say in that way, and uh, I totally hate any kind of dictatorship. So anything that is related to this person uh, and if it shows him how evil he was, uh, I agree with that, you know. Uh, for example, now the last case scenario that we could be uh, talking about is the case, of, the case of George Floyd. is now being used as a, as a powerful tool to represent how people are fed up all around the world with these situations. You know, even uh, in the tours, for example, that I run in Lavapiés, we talk about the gentrification. Uh, for those of you, in, in Spanish, the term gentrificación uh, by the RAE, by the official uh, Spanish language uh, institution, it doesn't exist, uh, this term. But uh, gentrification, uh, what it would be is when uh, you have a, let's say, socially low economically talking about neighborhood which suddenly artists, bars, restaurants, galleries, uh, young families, I mean people on their 30s, 40s with kids and they start moving into the neighborhood. Obviously what is the problem? That the price of the housing uh, rises up. So this is one of the issues that we talk about during the tours because artists even they have referenced about it in their uh, illustrations in their walls, no? And that brings up another issue, talking about difficult difficult topics. Uh, you did bring up gentrification, pushing out some people that have been in neighborhoods for many years. Uh, we've talked about the economic and the political push. How do you talk about these difficult topics with the clients that you have when you're tours? Well, you always have to understand that the kind of people who visit my tours are open-minded. 
So unless there is one, two people who come to the tour and maybe they have an old-fashioned way of thinking, the majority of them serve your ways, you know? And that's one of the things that I like the most about my job, no? Uh, meeting fellow human beings who have the same way of thinking that I do and who share the same hobbies that I do, which is street art and graffiti. So it's not that difficult to, to, to deal with this situation. However, I should say uh, that uh, I receive a lot of visitors from Israel, okay? And uh, I never mention about the political problem that is currently happening in this country with Palestine out of respect. But uh, if the time when an artist talks about it in the areas that I show up, I will have to get into kind of dirt uh, in a their place, no, and uh, tell me about tell tell them about my political views in that sense, no. Right, it's it's hard as a tour guide because you don't want to put your political views because you are just a tour guide and you don't want to say, well, this is the way I believe and this is the way you should believe and this is why I give you this perspective. No, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult play on trying to keep people happy and trying to keep them informed. And yes, you're right. If you're going to go on an alternative tour, more than likely you have open-minded people. But um, yeah, it, it is uh, difficult. I've come across that myself. Uh, we also have come across those who are uh, very steadfast in their beliefs and like to push their beliefs whenever you're giving these tours. You give them a perspective on, you know, this is a, so a social commentary and then someone doesn't believe in it and they're vocal about it. That's always a difficult spot. But uh, let me tell you that I, at the beginning of the tours, what I always mention is that 90% of what you are going to hear comes from the source. What I mean is that I have asked the artist or the festival to tell me first what does the uh, artwork itself means. And then I explain the other 10% is my point of view. You may like it or you may, love, you may not. You know, but I always tell them about the facts. Yeah, fair enough. All right, in your company, Cool Tours What Spain, I observe... You obviously and, uh, have alternative to my tours. Knowledge on the you field. have street I art mean, tours. That I, but you I also do architecture tours. You do feminism tours. You talk about their, an interesting perspective on Madrid history. And you do contemporary city? art tours How as well. Can we break those down and give us the reasons why you have those tours? Was it because it was something you thought of? Or was it because you saw a need? They would like to participate in another kind of similar service. So I thought that all these answers were positive, you know, and um, I partnered with uh, one person. This is how it started, okay? I partnered with Emilio. Emilio is a local architect, okay, who is a specialist, obviously, on the field. Uh, whenever you want to see Madrid or any city uh, around the world in a different way, you have to find uh, a, a special freelancer. It doesn't matter if he's a, if he's a, a tour guide, because the, the tour guide, it comes as, as your personality. If you're open-minded, if you have uh, easy uh, communication skills, you know, it will be easier. But when you have the, the knowledge about what you're talking about, it's way better, no? So that's how I partner with Emilio. And uh, he's actually the one who offers the Archie tours in Madrid. Uh, he will show you Madrid from the perspective of uh, industrial and modern urban architecture. Uh, through its rooftops, through the corrales, uh, different uh, places that are related and for which you don't need to have a previous 
knowledge on the field. I mean, you don't need to be an architect, but you might be interested in architecture. Yes, uh, actually, um, the, the Culture Spain team now is made up by uh, three team members, okay? It's me leading the e-commerce, the e let's say that way, then Patricia and Gerardo. Gerardo is more focused on the uh, social how media. Did feminism, uh, how did feminism become a know, tour he, in, uh, with your company? His knowledge on how to deal with this uh, platform uh, makes that we have followers, you know. And then Patricia uh, is a local activist who I met in one of my visits uh, at La Neo Mudejar. La Neo Mudejar is one of these spots that I would like to recommend to your audience. Uh, in Madrid is an avant-garde center totally off the beaten path, and uh, it's an almost derelict building, which not only you will be able to observe brute art, street art, visual arts, but also uh, how it looked uh, 19th century railway warehouse. I will, I will send you. Uh, this is where I met uh, Patricia. Patricia, by that time, she was working uh, there uh, uh, researching about the queer uh, movement in our country through magazines, through fanzines, uh, information. That can you send me a link to that? We'll put that in the show notes so people can... a specific can, part can... of the population uh, who uh, is interested into that. No? Uh, later, as the project grew bigger, I, I became interested in uh, receiving the help of others, no? So I, I opened a job position at Culture Spain and Patricia through Facebook contacted me. Uh, oh yeah, I remember you. Oh yeah, so how can we um, collaborate with each other? Well, I'm looking at the moment for a job and I saw that you were uh, looking for a person to help you. So uh, she was interested in arts. Actually, she's, uh, uh, her, she graduated in uh, history of arts. So by the time uh, I observe a uh, uh, resume, no, I take into consideration what the background of the person is, no, and how she, um, her social ways of thinking are related to mine. She believes in feminism, and uh, she believes in the end of uh, animal cruelty, for example, something that I'm too connected, no, and um, we came up with the idea of uh, showing Madrid in a different way. Why? Because uh, the majority of the audience that I receive are women from 25 to 45 years old. And I think this is such an interesting topic, even for uh, kids, to understand that feminism is not a war against men. Uh, uh, some people think this. Feminism is equity, right? Uh, period is equity in all ways, uh, social ways, uh, labor ways, equal rights, you know, uh, salaries, you know, and this is one of the things that we discuss and we talk about during our uh, feminist tours. The, the contemporary art tour uh, became because of the interest, you know, uh, one of the streets that we walk by uh, during the street art tour is called uh, Calle Doctor Furquet. Uh, which is uh, closely located to Reina Sofia Museum, the National Museum of Modern Art. 
and all those galleries which sell artworks related to contemporary or modern art are located in there and people were interested in uh, visiting them but um, if there is one time that uh, that I have mm -hmm. to go in mm -hmm. to a gallery it's okay but when it comes a, a routine uh, people ask you to go in these galleries well why don't offering a contemporary art tour just to discover the best artworks in those galleries. Do you have a connection with some of the galleries, the local galleries that have this contemporary art? How do you do that? Well, um, all those galleries are always uh, happy that you bring them customers, no? potential customers. Uh, it doesn't mean that they are going to buy or purchase any specific product, but it has happened that they have done it. No? And uh, what I find interesting is that they don't offer any kind of commission. <laughs> You know, yeah, you're uh, right. Like, hey, I brought the, the client. Uh, yeah, exactly. These are my customers. I, I brought them to you. Hey, offer me something <laughs> in exchange. No, yeah. uh, well, no, they're not interested. Well, oh, at least you give them a, a quality tour. Um, okay, before we before we leave and get into where people can find you all over the place, um, I want you as a street artist and as a tour guide of an alternative company that gives art tours to give me your top three pieces of street art that you will forever remember all right uh so this has been related to the places where i have been you know uh first spot that i would uh be willing to show the rest of the audience that i like is uh brooklyn in New York City, by the Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, okay. I, I went there and it was all tagged. This was by the time I was 21 years old, you know, and uh, it, this was uh, 11 years ago for me traveling to another country and getting to see those many tags and those many uh, writers out in the street was wow, you know. Uh, second place that I would uh, like to recommend is Teufelsberg in Berlin. Teufelsberg is a, is a former telecommunication tower, okay, in which, uh, well, all this equipment and all this infrastructure has disappeared, but still the building remains open, and uh, it has been taken by a group of artists who now run a spot where uh, people can go see kind of a museum of street art uh, in Berlin. I would recommend people to visit it. And lastly... Um, La Tabacalera in Madrid. This is a former uh, tobacco factory from the 19th century, uh, which is now a self-sustained center. We, uh, by the time we cross by it with our tours, I always explain uh, our audience what this kind of stuff is like. No? And um, these are the three places where I have been and that I would like to recommend others. But at the same time, I have three other places that I would like to recommend because I would like to visit them, you know? When in Rome, do what Romans do, no? So, uh, one, Hosier Lane, okay? This is in Melbourne, Australia. Two is, even though I've been there in Miami, but I've not been in this district, you know? Wynwood, all right? This is the second place, and the third spot is here in Europe. Uh, it's called Antwerp. Javier, 
this has been really thought provoking. I really appreciate this conversation, and I appreciate another another perspective from an alternative tour guide. You can you can find Javier's company on the web at Cool Tour Spain. That's C O O L T O U R S P A I N dot com, and you will also find that same name as his handle on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, so you can get in touch with him that way. Javier, I can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with us today. I love your perspective. You're our first interview about alternative tours, hopefully not the last. And this perspective is really valuable for the people that are looking for stuff off the beaten path. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. So what I would like to, to do is uh, if you are in Madrid and you want to participate in a free tour, uh, just use uh, Tour Guide Talks in our website and you will receive a free voucher to participate in a street or tour in Madrid. That is very thoughtful of you. Javier, thank you very much and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Javier. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You will find the show notes on our website, at tourguidetalks, that's with an S, .com. We will leave a link in the show description. We would love to hear your feedback. You can get in touch with us via our website or on all major social media platforms with the handle at tourguidetalks. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any secrets or new information on your favorite travel locations. If you have a show idea or know a guide that should be on this show, please be in touch. Thanks again, and please pass the show on to another travel enthusiast. Ciao.